Welcome to episode 23 of the MD Market Watch podcast. I'm your host, Alex Chung, Content Manager with MD Financial Management. In this episode, we had the chance to sit down with Jean-Francois Bordelot, Senior Practice Manager, David LaRocque, Portfolio Analyst to talk responsible investing at MD. The focus of this episode is how responsible investing is incorporated into our investment management process. While the main objective is always to provide the best possible risk-adjusted returns to our clients so that they can achieve their financial goals, we want to do so in a responsible manner that reflects their values. Please enjoy. Well, welcome back, JF, and welcome to your first episode of the podcast, David. We're excited to have you both here today to talk responsible investing. Well, thanks, Alex. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for having me. All right, JF, we'll start with a pretty broad question. I think pretty much steer the entire conversation today and no pressure. Why is responsible investing so important to MD? You know what, Alex? That question almost brings me back 25 years ago when I started at MD and one of the first things that was told is that, you know, at MD, we understand physician, that we know physician best. And one of the ways in which this comes to life is understanding some of the values that Canadian physicians do espouse. And responsible investing, or the concept of responsible investing, is closely aligned to that. You know, when we look at the word responsible, it implies do no harm or do less harm, do good, do help. So when we look at things like the environment and social issues, these are things that are important to many, many physicians. And as such, this is something that we're paying attention to. At its core, you know, it's, it sounds like it's uh, about creating long-term value for our clients, you know, aligning their values with their investments and, and promoting, like you said, that positive change. Maybe hand it over to you, David. How do we do that? Thanks for the question, Alex. MD has strived to design a robust, responsible investing framework that will align with our investors' core values. We believe that incorporating responsible investing into the investment process will help deliver superior long-term performance for our clients. At the highest level, we have our responsible investment policy, which formalizes the incorporation of environmental, social, and governance factors into the investment process. Outside of this overarching investment policy framework, MD has also shown the ability to listen to client feedback and to be sensitive about issues that are important to our clients. This most clearly can be seen in the exclusions of tobacco and cannabis products, where we employ a negative screen to ensure our funds will not directly invest in manufacturers. I would be remiss if I also didn't bring up our fossil fuel-free bond and equity funds, which came about because of clients' strong views against ownership of companies involved in fossil fuel. Understanding that this is not necessarily the right investment decision for all clients, these products nonetheless provide an alternative investment choice for those who may not be comfortable owning even the most responsible oil and gas companies. So taking it a, a little bit further, how does our investment process incorporate responsible investing factors? So as mentioned earlier, MD's responsible investment approach is laid out in our responsible investment policy, which is posted on our website at mdm.ca. As stewards of our clients' capital, we feel it's important to be aware of all the risks, both your more traditional market-based risks, but also your ESG-related risks associated with those investments. Nobody wants to be a shareholder in the latest corporate scandal in the news. It's not good for the company, and most importantly for investors, it's not good for their investment returns. So said another way, we look to get the best risk-adjusted returns for our clients that we can as fiduciaries. And in order to do that in 2022, we need to be aware of the ESG risks and active in the responsible investing space. So, you know, we, we have our, our strategy kind of broken down into, into four kind of pillars. So first, we look to incorporate our clients' values. This can be reflected in something like our negative screen of tobacco and cannabis. 
additions to our product shelf like the fossil fuel free funds or additional focus on specific ESG related issues that are important to our clients. Second, we want to know exactly what we own. So as dedicated active managers, our investment teams consider a broad range of ESG factors in their investment processes and have done so for many years. Rather than taking a passive approach to responsible investing, we conduct our own in-depth proprietary research and analysis. MD has also had a significant portion of assets under management that are externally managed, but we look to apply a similar ESG lens to those investments with the multi-asset team meeting regularly to review the holdings and identify any securities that might require action. So in this case, we would consistently engage with our sub-advisors regarding ESG, either through our annual stewardship reporting or ad hoc requests related to individual investments. The third pillar here would be our engagement strategy with companies that we own. So as stewards of your capital, we prefer constructive engagement over divestment. So we've chosen to have a voice at the table of the companies that we invest in through proxy voting and through direct engagement. So this allows MD, on behalf of our clients, to advocate for improvements in corporate management on key issues that require shareholder votes. The last kind of part of our strategy here would be that we would look to collaborate with organizations who share similar views. An example of this would be the UN-supported Principles for Responsible Investment, of which we are a member, as are over 90% of the sub-advisors that we work with. We also are members in Canada's Responsible Investment Association and partner with many other like-minded organizations. Thanks for that, David. It sounds like responsible investing considerations runs quite deep into our process from influencing stock or bond consideration to ongoing conversations with the companies that, that we actually invest in. You know, David, you mentioned the, the pillars of, of, of this type of investing. Jeff, maybe let's talk about that, the first part of it, you know, client values. What are we looking at there? A couple of things, Alex. And actually, I want to go back to your question because there's a couple of keywords there, one of which is influencing. We've heard David talking about negative screening, which is one tool. But responsible investing or the concept of responsible investing is not about divesting of everything. It's about making some conscious decision, understanding the impact. And when that investment may not be exactly what we're looking for, what our clients are looking for, to seek, to engage, to influence for that positive change. When we talk to our clients around some of the values that are closer to them, I mean, often we talked earlier about the E, environment, S, social, G, governance. And when we serve a client, I mean, environment is the one topic that scores the strongest. And that's one of the reasons that has led to the creation of the fossil fuel-free funds that we do have so that those that wanted that step further could have a product solution that met that need, that met their values. So that's, that's one example, Alex. When I'm, I'm looking at another example is a bit of that do no harm. So physicians, they're here to help people have better health. So many, many, many years ago when MD was owned by the Canadian Medical Association, there was a resolution passed that the CMA will not encourage investment in tobacco product. And of course, as the investment arm of the CMA at the time, we did apply that negative screen in our investment solutions. And it is still on, even though the ownership is no longer there. And that shows understanding of physician. But environmental issue, social issues, you know, maybe the last thing that, that we looked into is that when we launched the fossil fuel free fund, we heard feedback from some of the early investors about a few other areas that were of 
more significant importance to them, one of which was weapon and military and what was possible while fulfilling some of the duties that we have to provide certain investment returns. And we decided to add another screen around what is called controversial weapons. So this is really about listening to the client, having that understanding of values, doing surveys from time to time to validate those values, and either have solutions that will closely support those values, or if it's somewhat more complex, at the very least, consider those values as we engage with the money managers and, and the firms that we are in our portfolios to influence those stock decisions. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. You mentioned the ESG factors there. Part of our process is to, is to consider that environmental, social, and, and governance factors. David, maybe we can go into those a little bit more. You know, what are those and, and why are they important? Yeah, I'd be happy to, Alex. So there is a lot to unpack here, and there's quite a bit of depth behind each one of those, but I'll just try and start it at the, the highest level here. So if you want to start with the one that gets the most attention, that would be environmental. So it comprises a wide range of issues, you know, anything from climate change impact, carbon footprints, packaging and product waste, and natural resource sustainability. Most companies are focused on reducing their environmental impact and carbon footprint. Besides helping the planet, these practices can also have positive financial impacts. For example, reducing the packaging materials means lower spending and improved fuel efficiency also helps the company's bottom line. As a society and with the help of lawmakers, we're trying to hold companies accountable for their impact, something that we are seeing across all industries. So companies setting targets of net zero carbon emissions, ensuring their buildings are all green certified and increasing their sustainable through renewable resources. That all kind of falls under this environmental pillar. And so, you know, although the majority of the harm is probably caused by the few largest corporations, there's the hope that kind of stakeholder pressure is going to be like a rising tide that will lift all boats and result in increasingly sustainable operations across, you know, the supply and value chain across multiple industries. So looking at the second pillar, which would be social, it's a little bit more difficult to define. So basically it comes down to a corporation's social license. So do they treat their employees well? Are they a good neighbor, both locally and globally? Are they valued members of the communities they operate in? Now, if we dig into each of those questions a little bit further, we can gain some insight on how a company would be evaluated by a ratings agency or an investment firm. So key issues for employees could comprise anything from career development paths to health and safety. This would also extend to a company's supply chains where we could look at their safety standards and labor practices. Are people being paid fairly? Is the work environment safe? Many large corporations have struggled with this in the past and They've been publicly pressured to improve their labor practices. So the, anything like that would fall under the social end of the pillar. So additional factors that we would want to look at to find this social aspect would be a company's relationship with other stakeholders. Are they constantly under legal and regulatory scrutiny? Are the people proud to have them in their communities? We've previously seen companies that have taken advantage of their position, utilized I don't want to say scorched earth policy in the communities they operate, but that's kind of what it was. I mean, if you think of an abandoned mining town or deforested areas. So through an additional focus on ESG, there's a hope that we're going to see a change in corporate behavior that will lend itself to more sustainable practices. The final pillar here would be governance, which deals with the company's leadership, executive and board compensation, internal audits and controls, anti-corruption, shareholder rights, basically corporate governance and corporate behavior. We looked at how well executive management and the board of directors align the interests of the company's various stakeholders. So employees, suppliers, shareholders, customers. Does the company give back to the community where it is located? Aside from the basic good governance practices like proper reporting and audits, we'd want to evaluate a company on a wider range of issues. So we'd look at board composition, 
the amount of turnover where you know we don't want to entrench board members we're looking at diversity and inclusion uh, not just in the workforce but also at the highest executive levels we want to see incentives for the board and executives to have vested interest in the long-term sustainable success of a firm an ideal way to enact this would be to have executive bonuses tied to factors outside of just revenue or income you know like employee or customer satisfaction or meeting in certain environmental targets so this pillar is where active ownership can really make a difference so their annual proxy votes where both management and shareholder proposals would be on a voting ballot. If the board is perceived to be lagging on an issue or acting out of self-interest, they can expect significant pushback from engaged investors. It's not uncommon for shareholder proposals regarding diversity, sustainability, and disclosure passed despite management's objections. Now, it's one thing to, I guess, evaluate companies based on, on these type of factors. But one thing I find very interesting is us engaging the companies we invest in to, to do better. David, maybe you can talk about this a little bit more and, and maybe possibly show or provide a few examples of this in action. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd be happy to expand on that. So I think at the highest level here, it's, it's often easier to enact the change you want to see when you have a seat at the table. So JF was talking about we have a negative screen for tobacco and cannabis. So we can't really expect to have a say at, at how those companies are managed. Now, if we do own those companies, then we, we obviously have a vote at the annual shareholders meeting, and we're happy to kind of exercise our right to do that. So one way to be active owners would be through this proxy vote. So MD utilizes the services of ISS to vote proxies on our behalf we, using their sustainability policy, which will have us occasionally voting up against management's recommendations on key issues, anything from workforce diversity to sustainable investments to additional reporting disclosure. An example of kind of proxy voting active ownership in action would be what happened recently with ExxonMobil, I believe it was in 2021. So a bunch of shareholders have been lobbying to make changes to the board of directors at Exxon to address the lack of focus on climate change and the firm's lagging financial performance. Two key pillars there. So as a demonstration of the power of active investors, we can see that in anticipation of this proxy vote, which Exxon knew was going to be contentious, they spent about six months trying to appease the active shareholders. They launched a new low carbon fuel division, reshuffled a couple of directors, but ultimately it did not do enough to prevent the changes that were coming. So the executives had pushed back on the narrative, but they had suffered a, a resounding defeat at the annual proxy voting meeting. So with three alternative directors being elected, MD voted in line with the active shareholders and against management's recommendations in this case. We've also engaged directly with companies on behalf of our investors when we have concerns related to their ESG practices. You know, without getting into too specific of details, we've spoken to corporations in the oil and gas, precious metals, and financial industries, among others, in the last year to kind of gain their perspective on ESG issues overall and specific ones that were affecting them. Although we have no specific targeted outcome for these discussions, we feel it's important for us to be engaged with these companies around ESG as part of our investment process. Tying it back to receiving the best risk-adjusted return for our clients, these engagements can provide valuable insight into potential investment risks. For, for the last bit, I've heard us talk about you know, working with other organizations to advance responsible investing practices. JF, maybe you can explain what we mean by that. There's a couple of areas in which we collaborate or partner with a few associations. First, I'll start maybe uh, internally, Alex. Scotiabank does have an ESG strategy, and they do have an action plan when it comes to improving and focusing on ESG-related matters. So our teams are in regular communication with those leaders of, of those areas within Scotiabank to ensure that whatever we have in play, whatever we have in place, it is aligned 
to that strategy and those principles. Earlier, David mentioned that we are a signatory of the UN-supported principle of responsible investing, something that we often refer to as UNPRI, and we're also a member of Canada's Responsible Investment Association. When we look at the UNPRI, something backed by the United Nations, it's really an association that's, that's the leading proponent of responsible investing. And the mandate of that group is really to understand the investment implication of ESG factors and to support the integration of these factors into investment ownership and decision. So very much aligned to what David has shared with us throughout our discussion today. When we look at the RIA, the Responsible Investment Association, this is something that is in Canada. So this is our industry association that is responsible for responsible investing in this country. And the membership include people like ourselves, like asset manager, asset owners, some advisors, and service providers who promote responsible investment and responsible investing in Canada. So these are some of the partnerships and collaboration that we do have in store amongst others. I guess before we wrap up this episode, I wanted to give you both the opportunity to provide any final thoughts. So, so over to you guys. I think it's probably just worth noting here that responsible investing and ESG in particular is, is rapidly evolving. So we've seen significant improvements in the level and quantity of data that's available to analyze in even in the last few years. So rating agencies, they are, in my opinion, still perfecting their methodologies to truly capture all that a company influences. You know, you hear often about, you know, scope one, scope two, scope three in terms of different carbon emissions. I mean, that's it's a completely different conversation, but there there's a lot of data out there and being able to kind of refine it is, I wouldn't say it's a perfect science yet. So although it, it does feel like we've been hearing about ESG for a really long time, it's still in its relative infancy in, in the investment space. But anyways, I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing our work on it as responsible investors on behalf of our clients, for sure. One word that I take from what you've shared with us is that it's kind of early stage. And it's, it's early stage also in the spirit that responsible investing means something different to almost everyone. We put 10 people in the room and we ask them, what does responsible investing mean to you? And we do get 10 different answers. For some, it's all about divestment and divesting. And you know that's one approach. And we do that in some of our solutions like the Fossil Fuel Free Fund and our negative screen on tobacco. It's more than that. By having a seat at the table, and you know, we're, we're not on purpose investing in some of the most offensive company. I mean, we, we are mindful of what we have exposure to. But by having some companies that are good, but not perfect, we do have a seat at the table to push for positive change, for lasting change. And this is something to me that's taking much more importance and when it comes to investing responsibly, one is about looking at the environment, social, and governance factors. It's more than just about one approach to achieve that purpose. And from that perspective, you know, I really like what we are doing through the MD Family of Fun and the different offers that we do have in the process that we have in place here. I mean, I do believe that this is very close to the value that Vision do have, and it will fulfill the need of majority of physicians, Canadian physicians that have responsible investing concerns or consideration. But we do have exposure to other investment options as well. So if someone is looking for something very specific, 
we are able to do some research to find if such a solution does exist. So I really like the, the opportunity that is available and the, the offering that we have for our clients in that space. Very interesting and exciting. I'm looking forward to the, the ongoing growth and, and the development in the area itself and its place at MD. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for having me, Alex. For our listeners, if you have any questions about what we spoke about today, questions about your portfolio, please don't be shy. Reach out to your MD advisor. Whether you're a client or not, we're here to help. If you like this podcast, please be sure to subscribe through your favorite podcast provider and check out our other market commentary content available on md.ca. Find blog posts, videos, and much more. Last but not least, thank you to all the doctors and healthcare professionals out there for taking care of us at this time. Bye, everybody. Bye.